Danny, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. It's episode 149 of Fried Squirms. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. And we're going to talk about The Void, and not the one in my heart. <laughs> but before we get to that, how was your week? For the most part, nothing out of the ordinary. Just catching up on shows, catching up on playing some games, things of the nature. Watched the Super Bowl last night. That was about it, really, the highlight of the weekend, I suppose. How about yourself? Yeah, Super Bowl and The Good Place ended, which has been a giant part of my life since it came out. And so I'm bummed about that, but I got to watch the series finale, so that was cool. Awesome. But yeah, that's about it, plus a lot of Red Dead Redemption, so... Nice. You know, it happens. Shit, should we, you know, like, get stoned and do some green hits? Ooh, some of my favorite stuff to do on the show. What do you got right now? Or I know you got a couple J's that we're going to be hitting later. Yeah, so... What I do have is we're smoking right now on some blueberry, which I brought over last week. But I did bring over a new strain, and that strain is black garlic. It is an indica hybrid. It's a dominant hybrid, of course. And it's genetics. It's based off of GMO, which is also known as garlic cookies. That's a hybrid of Girl Scout cookies and Chemdog, and it's crossed with sourdub. So... It's scent sweet and sour, almost like a perfume, and it's accompanied by fruity and organic notes, which is something I noticed, too, when I, I smoked it. It has a very floral kind of note to it mm-hmm. when you smoke it. Very clean smoke, too, considering. But, yeah, I was kind of curious. I was looking for a Kush, and that was one of them that I was offered, and so I took. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, I think with my Firefly, we're going to start out on... It's weird. This is one of these strains that... Nowadays feels bread and butter compared to something like black garlic. You know what I mean? But I feel like back in the day, like we would have been just fucking itching to get our hands on something like Super Silver Haze. Nice little sativa, citrusy notes, earthy notes, a little bit of just like a weird pepperiness. It's not quite like a diesel, but it's got a little bit of a something there. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I like it quite a bit. Maybe not my favorite sativa in the world, but I kind of like it how, even though it's an up, it's not an up that has me like having to do shit or having to think about stuff. I'm just lifted. I'm stoned. I'm up. Yeah. It's a good time. Super Silver Haze. Nice. Let's, uh, let's, I'm going to hit that. Out. All right. Sweet. Yeah. So for the joints that I do have, those joints are of a Cocoa Puffs strain. And that strain. It's another one of those uh, indica-dominant strains. It's a hybrid, of course. But it is noted for having like relaxed, very mellow, after-dark kind of you know mm-hmm. strain that'll get Ooh. you kind of right where you need to Fried be. Fried after dark. Yeah, so for those who are curious, it is a cross between Kimbo Kush and Triple OG strains. Actually, it is after dark because it's still the fucking winter around here. Yes. Even if the temperature might not be acting like it, it's fucking... It was a little bit chillier today. Anyway, we're going to finish hitting this, and while we're finishing hitting this, I think we're going to transfer into some Guts and Bolts for the Void. Guts and Bolts. All right, Danny. Guts and Bolts. What do you got for me on the Void? I mean, I got some notes in front of me, too, but who do you got? Oh, I guess I got summary, don't I? Fuck. Yep. Okay, spoiler-free synopsis of the Void. A... How big of a town? Small town? I would say small town, yeah. A small town cop finds a bloodied man on the side of the road. He takes him to the hospital, and I don't know how much I want to say to keep it spoiler-free, but 
very, very weird, very weird things ensue once the circumstances of him being there start to all come to a head. Yeah, I'd say that's about as simple as you can get without spoiling anything. Yeah. And I mean, and then there's a kind of a weird cold open that ties in, too, that I, I don't know how much to say about that, but... I don't know. It'll make But a, there's a other people... Sense, yeah. there, from the get-go, there's obviously people hunting people, and you don't know quite why, but you know that this guy's involved. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, awesome. So, from week to week, of course, we do like to talk about our cast and crew. This week, we have a team that's comprised of two gentlemen... And our directors and writers on this are Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Gaskansky. So Jeremy, as far as directing, he's known for directing shorts such as Inferno of the Dead. He helped direct Father's Day, the film Child Boys, an American Folktale, which is also a short. And Stephen helped direct Manborg. He did the segment W is for Wish for the ABCs of Death Part 2 and for the film Leprechaun Returns, which is really interesting. Mm. Now, along, of course, with those credits I just mentioned, they also helped write for a lot of those. Jeremy also helped write for the film Manborg, and he also wrote the segment W's for Wish in the uh, ABCs of Death Part Two. All right, our cinematographer is Sammy Inaye. He's known for being the DP for such things as a beginner's guide to endings, for fans of a little-known Canadian artist, you might you might know him. I mean, it's a possibility. You ever heard of a person named Drake? <laughs> Aubrey? Yeah. Have you ever heard of the song Started From The Bottom? <laughs> he might have been the DP for that music video. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I know, right? He's also the DP for the film Extraterrestrial and for the television series Man Seeking Woman from 2016 through 17. All right, our editor is Cam McLaughlin, and they're more or less known for helping edit the Strain television series back in 2015 and for the film Teen Spirit. But if you look at some of the stuff they were involved with when they were in the editorial department, they helped with the film The Shape of Water. Pacific Rim, Crimson Peak. Oh, shit. So a lot of Garam. Oh, okay. El Toro. Yeah, Carrie, Total Recall. That makes sense because the, the inspiration for this film <laughs> came from them overhearing some Guillermo. Yeah, I mean... Uh, when he was working on At the Mountains of Madness. Which is really neat, yeah. Some other films I will mention, maybe two more, is uh, Trailer Park Boys, Countdown to Liquor Day, <laughs> and the film Amelia, which is really mm. good. So I was like, that's pretty interesting. Some pretty cool credits. All right, the music was composed by a band called Blitz Berlin. And for those who may or may not know, they are based out of L.A. They're known for composing the music for Blade Runner 2036, Nexus Dawn. They are really known for scoring the trailer music for films. Some of those films include The Girl on the Train. You might have seen like Fifty Shades Darker, Fifty Shades Free. Bad Times at the El Royale, The Girl in the Spider's Web, Bird Box, and many others. So, I've heard really good things about Bad Times at the El Royale. I haven't watched it yet, but I am really curious. Uh, they also helped compose the music for Velvet Buzzsaw, the trailer music, mm. which is really neat. All right, there's three gentlemen who also helped uh, compose some of the music. One of those gentlemen is Joseph Murray. The other one is Menelon Music, and the other person is Lodwig Voss. And they are more or less known for some of the films like uh, The Orchard, Level 16, Map to the Stars. They're also known for composing the music for the show Digstown, also for a show called Halcyon. All right. 
Moving along, we have special effects was done by Intelligent Creatures. This film was produced by Jonathan Bronfman and Casey Walker. The production companies, quite a few. There was uh, 120 decibel films, K Painting Pictures, Joe Bro Productions, and Film Finance, The Salt Company International, and XYZ Films. The distributor was Screen Media Films for the 2016 United States theatrical release. The release date was September 22, 2016 here in the States at Fantastic Fest. It had a box office worldwide gross of $368,000. And a tagline I do have is, there is a hell, this is worse. So, all right. I interesting. Like interesting. I like it. All right. So moving along, I want to lead off with the cast, which includes actor Aaron Poole, who plays the role of Daniel Carter. And this gentleman is known for his work in films, This Beautiful City, The Captive, and the film Forsaken. We have a pretty, I would say, well-known actor in this gentleman. And this gentleman is Kenneth Welsh. He plays the role of Dr. Richard Powell. And when you look at his body of work, quite a wealth. You can look back at such films as like Crocodile Dundee Part 2. <laughs> he was in The Twilight Zone, an episode Acts of Terror. He was in such things as The Freshman, which is a pretty decent film. He was in Twin Peaks as Wyndham Earl for 10 episodes, which is like, damn, that's probably where I recognize him from. Right. Uh, he was also in Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, Time Cop, The X-Files, which makes sense because this is a Canadian production, so you'll probably see him in a lot of Canadian films. The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah, the film Miracle, which is really cool. If you've never seen that, I think it's really neat. But yeah, some interesting films. All right, moving along, we have Daniel Fathers. He plays the role of the father. I don't even know if they mentioned his name, but Vincent. Vincent. Yeah. All right. He's been in such films as Rhinoceros Eyes, Pontypool, and he's been in the Snatch television series back in 2018. The actress Kathleen Monroe plays the role of Allison Frazier. She's been in such films as Survival of the Dead, Call Me Fitz, which is a television show from 2010 through 13, the film A Family Man, and more recently she was in the Patriot television show from 2015 through 18. We have actress Ellen Wong. She plays the role of Kim. Yeah. It's yeah. Knives Chow from Scott Pilgrim. Which is really awesome. Yeah. So she's been in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. You might have also seen her in Silent Night from 2012. She was also a part of Dark Matter television show from 2016 through 17 and Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling television show from 2017 through 19. Oh, I hear that's really good. I need to check it out, which is interesting because I actually grew up watching the actual Glow female wrestlers back right. in the day. So it'd be nice to watch that show. I've heard good reviews from people that I did not expect to hear good reviews from. Apparently, they're doing something really special with that show, so good for her being on there, too. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, middle along, we have Mick Biscoff. He plays the role of The Sun, and or if you want to call him Simon. He's known for his works in Once Upon a Time television show from 2014. You might have seen him in The 100 television series from 2015 through 16. He was also in The X-Files back in 2016. And more recently, he was in Supergirl, the television show, in 2017. All right, Grace Monroe, she plays the role of Maggie in the film. She's a pregnant girl. She's been in such things as The Girl Without a Song, Don't Talk to Irene, in the film The Rap Party. All right, I've got a few more actors and actresses, and then I'll round out our cast and crew. So I have Evan Sterney plays the role of James. He was in Robocop, the 2014 movie. 
He was a part of the Strain television series from 2017, and more recently, people probably recognize him if you watched the show Letterkenny. He was in that from 2016 mm. through 2019. All right, we have James Millington. He plays the role of Ben, who's the grandpa to Grace in this film, her, okay. her character. He's been in such things as the X-Men, the animated series from 92 through 93. I think he voiced the role of War, I think it was. Oh, okay. Which is really neat. He was also in Darkman Part 2, The Return of Durant. He was also in the film Murder at 1600 and the film Pushing Tin. All right, we have Art Hindle. He plays the role of Mitchell. And we've actually talked about him before because if you remember on our episode 99, we reviewed Black Christmas. He was in that film oh, in 1974. Okay. Yeah, and then if you really want to look at his filmography from that point, he did things such as Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which is really neat, The Brood. He was in Porky's, Porky's 2. He was also in uh, such things as The Man Who Wasn't There. Some of his television roles are really neat. He was in Starsky and Hush, Dallas, Airwolf, MacGyver. <laughs> like so a bunch of shit in the 80s, some stuff in the 90s. So, uh Kind of neat seeing him in that. It, Friday the 13th, the series. Yeah, which, man, real big fan of that series. It has <laughs> nothing to do with the films. <laughs> but it's good. It's a piece of uh, Canadian history. All right. Move along. We have Stephanie Belding. She plays the role of Beverly. You might have seen her in the film Existence. She was also in the film Watchmen. She was in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark more recently. All right, our last actor I have is Matthew Kennedy. He plays the role of Cliff Robertson, who is a patient in the film. He was in such things as Manborg, Father's Day, and the film The Editor, which makes sense because uh, these guys, Gillespie and Kostanitz, mm-hmm. uh, that was like some of their, yeah, there's some of their short films. All right, he was also in Another Wolf Cop and the film Cowboys and American Folktale, and some people might know him because he's in the, the television show Divorced Dad. From 2018 through 19. So, it pretty much rounds out our cast and our crew. You gave us a brief synopsis of what this film's about. We need to give you some warnings. This movie gets fucking gory. Yeah, it has some really good practical effects in this film. Which lends its hand to gore and blood. <laughs> a lot of it. And some pretty fucked up body horror. Yeah. If you're not a fan of body horror. Creatures. Yeah, creatures. Cults. Sure. Cults. Alternate interpretations of the afterlife. Exactly. There's pregnancies in this film. Yeah. Which get kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Uncomfortable, um, let's put it that way. Language. Yeah, language. You're basic. You're um, fighting, stuff like that. I mean, there's, there's going to be that in there. There's nudity if you look really close in on a couple of the Polaroids that are shown on screen. Yeah, that's a good point. So there's a, there's a little bit of that. Keep in mind, this is a, it is a horror film. <laughs> I think that covers it, though. I think you're right. So, let's find out how the void made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? Alright, man. The void. The big, triangular void. We probably should warn people that if they're scared of triangles. Right. Symbology. Things like that. Which lends Or just triangles in general. Yeah, if you don't like triangles. If you don't like triangles, the same in the movie before you. Not the musical instrument, mind you. Right. You could still like that triangle. Maybe not the shape of it, though. Right. It, more or less, we're talking about the shape, yeah. All right, so history with this film. This is one I watched... It you wasn't watched very long ago. me, right. but it wasn't long ago. Right, and I've only seen it one time prior to us getting into the review in the film. And you weren't that impressed. Right, the, the first, first time, time through, through, I was like, eh. 
And the first time through, it was before we went on that weird little cosmic uh, horror run. cosmic horror venture that we kind of did for a bit when we were hitting shit like Housewife and Beyond. Right. And, and then after we watched those movies, and I think was there something else cosmic horror that we hit? I, I mean, can't we, remember. We were doing stuff like Mandy as well around oh, the time right, right. as well. So. And Mandy is kind of in vain with this, I would say. Yeah. Weirdly, somewhat. Yeah. Not as I mean, mu- not as like... much as like Housewife is, but. No, but I mean, I even watch stuff like Beyond the Black Rainbow and others that mm-hmm. kind of lend its hand more into that kind of realm. And I watched this after I watched those, and I was like, oh shit, this movie's great. And I'm like, dude, we might have to do this for an episode. Mm-hmm. I think now you've been primed, and you might like it more. So, right. what's the verdict? No, I, I definitely enjoyed a lot more these last two times through for that simple fact being exposed to a certain subgenre of films that, in my case, I wasn't necessarily used to, watching those films, that, the ones that we had mentioned, I mean, even including Baskin and things like that. Oh, right? yeah, Baskin's another good example. Yeah, so it gave me more exposure. It gave me a better understanding of that subgenre as a whole, and then revisiting films, like you were saying, like The Beyond and things of that nature. It's like, okay, okay, I, I'm seeing these through a different lens, a different perspective, because I'm actually analyzing them paying a lot more attention to the details so that's what made me appreciate this film a lot more is having that exposure and then coming into this film knowing that and knowing i've already seen this film before so now i'll you know maybe get a, a better grasp of what this tale is trying to tell Ooh, hereditary kind of too a little bit yeah so yeah like i said a lot more exposure to those styles of film sweet i'm glad to hear that you liked it more this time oh definitely i i liked it the first time through now that I've watched it two more times, like I fucking love this movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to end up putting a fucking triangle on something tonight. I don't know what, but... <laughs> <laughs> One can only imagine. <laughs> and yet, for how much I like it, like I actually don't have that many notes compared to a lot of other movies. Because nice. I was mostly just like, well, it's not simple. I realize like, it's hard to talk about some parts of this movie without giving too much away. Mm-hmm. If somebody hasn't seen it before. Because I thought like multiple times through... It suddenly becomes hilarious that they're trying to protect those fucking babies. Yeah, considering Jesus Christ, how much easier it would have been had they just not protected Allison when fucking homeboy takes her hostage. Yeah, because that's I mean, it's game over. Yeah, but anyway, more towards the beginning of the movie. Even the beginning of the movie starts off crazy. Yeah, because you don't know open. what the fuck's going like, on. Yeah. All you see is a guy running out of a house. You do see the triangle, but you don't know what its significance is. You just see it. The guy takes off. The girl who comes out of the house gets shot in the back, gets lit on fire, and it's like this father-son duo. And it's like, all right. <laughs> it gets, it's already trippy. Yeah. And then you get the, the shot of Daniel Carter, right? And if you've officer. never seen any of the marketing for this movie, then you're probably thinking they're the bad guys. Right. It would make sense at that point. And then we meet the deputy, whatever the hell he is, Carter. And it seems like a simple night until that guy from earlier runs out into the street and he attends to him, drives into the, I guess, the nearest hospital, one that only has a barely functioning staff of a few nurses, one doctor, right? Looks like one other patient. But like one nurse, one doctor, and one intern? Yeah, essentially. Just bare bones. It's been alluded to that there was a fire previously mm-hmm. there, and it looks like it's pretty much on the fritz. Long story short, they get the guy there, and the the guy's freaking out a little bit. Wait, did we? Oh, 
Did we mention that that this movie was like crowdfunded and shit? No, we like, did. This movie uh, was ba- on like a fucking bare bones budget, which is it is neat in a sense because I did watch a behind the scenes thing on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they explain part of the reason why is they had a financier that kind of pulled out at mm. last minute, and it delayed them, of course. And then there were certain things that they couldn't do because they'd already accounted for some of their budget in other areas. And so that's part of that crowdfunding because it helped with, uh, I think, some of the practical effects and some other resources, of course. But yeah, you're right. It's it's pretty cool, man. Well, I think it's worth bringing up because it doesn't look like it. No, it does not. They did a fantastic job. Through and through. I never, like, this looks as good, if not better, than a lot of fucking studio movies. So they did amazing work with what they were given to work with. No doubt. I think something that's interesting to note, too, is this is a a bit of fortune in their favor, is the locations that they found for the interior shots were like an abandoned, I think, junior high or a high school, and I think another like abandoned hospital setting. So they got to use those. But I think in the high school, they actually like made use of all the space they could for like costume design and certain locations where they could set up props and film in and shit like that so yeah they used it to their advantage but it worked out and it looks good (laughs) yeah it looks the looking good becomes more important too as this goes on because i don't know this movie's not that it's it's 90 minutes it's under because some of that's credits including like an opening credit sequence which was kind of neat yeah so i think what 88 87 minutes something like that total runtime and even then like i love the movie whatever this in between stuff like i guess it's kind of important that they're married but yeah it adds a little bit of emotional weight to later on but yeah what i thought was interesting about that is it made me think of the beyond a lot so i know okay, we're good. jumping right say, there at this the end baby beyond junior right like, yeah i was like man if that's not the beyond i don't know what that is because there's other elements that feels like uh, you're watching Hellbound, Hellraiser 2 a little bit with the Doctor. You could say the thing with the creatures, things like that. Even some of uh, Prince of Darkness mm-hmm. has some of these elements in it, you know, where uh, the guy pretty much drives the force and back into the beyond, so to speak. The void. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was kind of checking out during those moments, but I know it's it's important, like, You'll get more emotional resonance out of this movie, but it only really mattered to me the very first time I watched this movie, and the second and third times I was watching this movie, I was in it for the cult and the abominations and fucking just crazy shit that turns that this movie takes rather than like, yeah, they were they're married and they lost a child. And exactly, it's like I mean, dealing with this in a really bad way, and it's fucking their relationship and really hard. Right. There's that element where, I guess you could, you know, for argument's sake, you're trying to connect a little bit to like the loss, the grief element. Like, oh well, it makes sense why the doctor went on that weird path he went on, and he just so happens to have a nurse who lost a child and a deputy, of course, and. It's like, oh, now he can get people to um, feed on that grief, and he can manipulate them. And he's like, yeah, we can bring him back. <laughs> we, the, we'll all be different, though. Oh, man. That's the end game. Everybody will change. I thought it was funny, though, when fucking 
she ducks out after they're talking. Like, I gotta go make sure that Bev hasn't killed my intern. And then we see what Bev gets up to. Oh, dude. And it's like 10 minutes into this movie, and it just takes a sudden what the fuck Weird turn. turn. I had to rewind it. The reason being, because it's like, maybe I missed something that led into that. Like, No, it just... No, you're right. Because after rewinding, I was like, no, there's nothing that's alluding to the fact that that's going to happen. One thing I will say, though, is I noted this, was the first time that we're introduced to that patient Cliff mm-hmm. and Kim is they're just having a back and forth. But she says something to him that I thought was a bit of foreshadowing. And I thought was another one of those clever things they do in writing is she says, you know, statistically, you're more likely to die in a hospital, yada, oh, yada. Yeah. And yeah, he does. <laughs> so she was right. That's true. But the um, way that happened was gruesome. I liked it. This movie is definitely in contention for Chester Fright, right? I could say, yeah, it could be up there for sure. For as for like we're beginning, to I think for, for maybe beginning stages, it can, it yeah, can definitely consideration. Because some of the oh, anyway, because she's stabbing fucking knife into his eyes and turns <laughs> and has sliced off her face. Which that's how many sliced off faces have we seen at this point? Like that's the one thing because they they go back yeah. to it twice in this movie. How many times have we seen that now? We've seen it a few times. I mean, you get the you get the reverse though in like Nightbreed. Yeah, yeah. Which that was a good take on it, but I was hoping for something different. <laughs> yeah, because that seems to be the standard. Like I've gone psycho loony crazy that there's no coming back from, and so immediately I'm going to cut my face off. I mean, we've seen it with uh, Hannibal Lecter. I was going to say Mason Verger. Yeah, that was a little bit different, but right, right, right. But you know, it's a variation of it. I get it, though, because it's a fucked up thing to see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what that does lead into, though, which I think is an interesting thing in this film, is he's forced, and that's Carter, that is, is forced to shoot Beverly because she's coming at him. Mm-hmm. And he has his moment because, you know, he's dealing with anxiety and stress and just the moment. And he goes in the bathroom, and when he looks in the mirror, he has a vision. <laughs> right, And that's kind of oh, like yeah. the series of the visions. That's one of the first ones. And it's interesting to note that the person who attends to him happens to be Dr. Powell and, I guess, his wife still, Allison. Long story short, that that leads into eventually learning about the son and father because they eventually come in. This is after he gets attacked again, Daniel, that is, mm-hmm. when he goes to his car. Power goes out, he hears the horns, and he comes back in after getting stabbed. He has another vision. <laughs> So, so, okay, yeah. we shouldn't go over the getting stabbed that quickly, though, because this is when we really see the it's cult like, members. Jesus, yeah, which is cool. I like that a lot. Such a simple design, but it's so effective. It is. If I'm not mistaken, what they said with that, too, is they didn't use people for that. I mean, like, many people. Mm-hmm. They they use, like, certain shots, I guess, where they use CGI just because they, they couldn't afford it at the time. So they oh, had okay. one person... In the garb, and they would plot points out on wherever they needed them to be, and then composite it back on. Oh, <laughs> so, sure. I mean, okay. it worked. It was good. I didn't know until they said I it. I couldn't tell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I didn't know until they said that. <laughs> Damn, that's impressive. The stabbing's cool, because you get the slow go in. Oh, yeah, I was like, ooh, that, is, that hurts. Now, uh, I mean, no disrespect whatsoever to Kenneth Welsh. I think he does a great job in this movie. But something that just jumps out to me, and maybe it's only because we saw him so recently, but 
He's kind of just discount Malcolm McDowell in this movie, right? <laughs> he kind of is. He is. How much better would this movie have been with Malcolm McDowell? Man, it would have been on like two or three other levels. Like this is an instant up. classic, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because this so. movie's pretty fun. This movie's really Dude, the good. effects. Because shit's about to go even crazier. It does go bonkers, man. So Homeboy wakes up and he's freaking out and... Shit goes down in a way where he ends up taking this pregnant chick hostage. We haven't even talked about pregnant chick yet, have we? She just looks like um, an extra character, so to speak, with her grandfather. Just so happens to be at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, that's all you feel so differently about it the, the second time through. When you're like, oh, I know your secret, bitch. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. your secret. Ooh. And they're all like trying to like keep the baby safe. Right, right, and right. Like, and don't they do have that. No idea. Don't do that. Don't keep that baby safe. <laughs> you should be kicking this woman in the gut right now, really hard. Yeah, with that shotgun. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up, but it's true. And yeah, like you said, dad and son come in while homeboy has her hostage. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They sure do. Is it during that standoff that Beverly attacks and gets the police? I think that's a little bit after because oh, okay. the doctor gets yanked oh, in his neck. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he gets yanked in the neck, and they knock out the dude, and I guess that's where he gets chained up to the, the bed or whatever. Oh, okay. Right, and then eventually that does lead to that because they have their little conversations here and there. What is it? I think Allison goes off eventually to go get some supplies when she's not supposed to. They come up with a scheme to go get the shotgun and whatnot, so that's kind of like their next plan of action. Where they just get fucked with again. Yeah, it's fucked. I'm trying to think how, how that sequence goes, where they eventually run into Mitchell, like he shows up, and then that's when shit gets weird with Beverly turning into the creature. Oh, that's the creature does come out and snatches Mitchell. <laughs> that's what happens. That's right, well, because they had, they had seen the creature already. Yeah. When he got back from being stabbed. Because they heard the screaming. Because that's how the guy got out into the hallway to take her fucking hostage in the first place. Because he was in the room. Right, right, right. And, and they then got they him heard out. him fucking... And, but then when the hostage situation went down, they forgot all about the creature. Yep. And it came back out and snatched old Mitchell up. And fuck Mitchell up good. Fucking that creature. Dude, Beverly creature, right? Yeah. Fucked him up bad. <laughs> this is good. And it's weird. So I had to, I had to write down about Beverly creature because... It's kind of weird how they did it. They were using the quote-unquote bad lighting that you see in other movies to, like, hide kind of shoddy creature effects with, like, the light strobing out and you're still only capturing the creature from certain angles and shit. Exactly. But they're not cutting it all choppy. Like, you're getting a chance to see the work that they put in on that fucking creature, and it looks good. It's fucked up. (laughs) Yeah. All of it's, like, super gnarly. I mean, it lends its hand into this subgenre, you know, like this cosmic horror. This is what these creatures, you can imagine, look like. Yeah, super mutated, still weirdly human-esque, but barely... Oh, just gnarly fucking Brundlefly. It's fucked, man. It's good, though. On par, I would say. I mean, Cronenberg's work was ahead of its time because of how early his fly came out compared to this movie, but creature effects? What do you say? No, I think they look top-notch. I mean, you could stack it up with some of the best practical effects we've seen. We watched Pumpkinhead recently. 
I'd stack this way up against that. Yeah, I would too. And Easy. that's from a master. Yeah. I mean, and that's no discredit to anybody. And uh, it just shows like the talent involved and the practicality of what they were trying to achieve. You know, they weren't trying to do anything too much. They knew what they could get away with. And you're right, they used actors in a lot of those costumes. You know, and, and you detract from some of the negatives with the lighting effects, etc. But overall, it looks really good. It looks gnarly. Oh, and it gets pussy and the entire time. Like, it's almost not even fighting back because it's still sinking its tentacles into Mitchell. Yeah. And just, like, burrowing into his fucking face. It pops up like that headish type growth and they fucking wild. shotgun it off the back. Dude, it gets <laughs> fucked up. A lot they of that. Go to town on it. To me, it felt like, if for people who haven't seen it, it felt like watching the thing a little bit. It's like you get this gnarly ass creature come out and you're just trying to get rid of it the best you can. And then uh, it did take the, the work of three of those dudes Carter, the son of the father. <laughs> yeah, it was good. That's when they go to get the shotgun. Yeah, right after that. Mm-hmm. So when they do, they, of course, run back into the cult, right? They know there's like a, a large swarm of them. When Daniel gets out of the car, he gets stabbed in the back, <laughs> which is fucked up. And uh, let's see, they shoot one of the cultists, I suppose. Mm-hmm. They get back in and all that stuff. Uh, that's when Allison, Allison goes, goes off. off to get supplies for Maggie. And eventually, Dan goes off, I think, to go look for her, and they get a phone call from the morgue, and it happens to be the, the doctor and that like, gives him the message. It's like, no, I'm not, bitch. By the way, <laughs> check it out. And now the whole time, he's finding those photographs, and he's like, oh, um, ritualistic sex. Oh, there's those cult people. It's like drug, sex, and sacrifice. Yeah. That's what it amounts to. Not as much rock and roll. No, no, no. It's just like... You cut out the rock and roll part, and slide is a sacrifice. It would have been awesome had he had been in that role. But. This crossed over with American Saint. <laughs> you never know, dude. <laughs> shit. So yeah, he's finding all that shit. He's like, Doc's alive. This isn't good. <laughs> no, you're right. What it eventually leads up to is the guys go down into the basement, and this is when. If you haven't seen it before, maybe this is your first time, you don't realize it, which makes sense with how far the cruiser was from the building initially. Like, when he first gets there, it's a lot closer. Mm-hmm. And then when they go out, it's like, like what the hell? So reality is kind of shifting, and that's what happens in the basement. It's like, they found a sub-basement that wasn't even there, but because they're in this different kind of reality, in a sense. And this is where it kind of it's basking. Yeah. You're right. They're going down into the depths. <laughs> they find some bad shit is what it basically amounts to. They find the door is what it amounts to. We find out that Allison's been abducted by Dr. Powell. He kind of reveals some things to her. You're not seeing exactly what he's doing, but he's putting these bloody chunks into this train into, in front yeah, of him. Collecting and he's parts. turning away from her and explaining mm. all this shit and what he knows about her and what he's been up to. And you get his... Bond exposition rant, basically. You know, Bond villain rant. <laughs> exactly. If you weren't paying attention to any of the other parts of this movie, all you really have to do is pay attention to his Yeah, his a little bit of his expose, yeah. And it lets you know exactly what this <coughs> film's about. All right, so he's basically wanting to make her a mother. <laughs> all right? And uh, like I said, those guys, they find 
like one of the glyphs from the books in that sub basement and they talk about James he's like oh yeah this is the same shit we found out there in that barn <laughs> like uh oh shit's about to pop off and eventually the corpses come out they reanimate the experiments that the doctor's been working on come you know. right because he's explaining to Allison he's like oh yeah they're the ones that started the fire because I won't let them die yeah holy f- dude the headbanger <laughs> right yeah it's fucked <laughs> They're, oh yeah, with the pole. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Fucking corpse that is that is so good. Completely impaled its head on a pole and keeps retrying in order to kill itself until they get all of their attention by walking down. Ah, uh, dude, yeah, because all you hear is just that constant the the yeah, and it's like, what the fuck is that? And you see where it's worn all the way through. Oh, that was so good. I like that a lot. And some of the times we're off center, like the entire, even what's left is all fucked up. and It's been trying. Oh, dude, it's <laughs> gnarly shit. And they're all fucked looking. Yeah, like, all right, here we go. Shit's about to pop off again. <laughs> now, arguably, these are technically zombies, right? Yeah, you could say so. Because what the doctor says is when you die... You transform into something else, and it's like a caterpillar turning into a, a, a moth. moth. Right. He's like, what I've managed to do is trap the moth in the cocoon, and it warps the cocoon. It has to grow into something different. Right, it has to adapt. Because it can't fit. And yeah. so this is their dead souls changed into whatever they change into in the beyond, but trapped back in their bodies. Yeah, exactly. So, it makes sense. Which turns them into these <laughs> mutated abominations. Yeah, it's just fucked up undead things. That want to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked, but it, that's what it is. By the way, I, I'm just pointing out that that's what they we're actually dealing with in this movie. Because it's so fucked. It's such a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Oh, this is kind of where uh, Vincent, too. He's the one who winds up getting, like, mind-controlled. Mm-hmm. Because you see what appears to be his wife with the baby. Who's leading him astray, and he kind of oh, wanders right, off right. from that stuff, and it leads up to the kid discovering that it's starting to warp reality once again, leading him to discover his dad, who's blaming him for all that shit with the family. Oh, I want to back up just a second because when yeah. they do get right into that basement for the first time, and while the exposition's going on, there was one cool fade that they did from Doctor Exposition and her on the table, and. The way the fade lines up in the shot down in the basement is where she's at on the table becomes one of the triangles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty and you're cool. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> uh-oh, I know what's in her. <laughs> yeah, it ain't good. Cthulhu. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> spoiler? We're in the spoiler section. Yeah, Fuck you guys. exactly. This been... is uh, ultimately in the beyond, there's a giant eldritch abomination. It's not Cthulhu, yeah. but, but Cthulhu no, no, usually happens when eldritch abominations happen. Yeah, but it's, uh, man, holy shit, it's fucking gnarly. Which, that's another thing I enjoy about this. Well, it's gnarly by being the least gnarly thing in this movie. No, (laughs) no, it's just... uh, We'll get there. Yeah, exactly. But, alright, I guess making this long story short is, you get to a point in this film where all this shit's starting to take off, right? The doctor, he gets Carter, in a sense. Like, he mentions to him... When Allison was pregnant, they lost their son and stuff like that. That he felt relief, but there's still a sense of him where I don't know, like uh, maybe he doesn't want to be a dad, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he's explained it to him about the beyond, like beyond death. 
He's going to bring his daughter back. That's when you find out the girl the whole time, Maggie. Yeah, so she's been going into labor, and they've been trying to get the intern to do a C-section, and she's like, I can't do it, I can do it. Right, right, no, the cultist shows up, and they go off, Mm -hmm. and leave Kim all fucked up, (laughs) because Ben winds up getting in the neck, which is pretty good. And that's when Maggie's like, I'm so honored to have Dr. Paul's baby, or whatever. What's his name? Dr. Powell. Powell. Richard. Mm Mm-hmm. Dick. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, he's like, oh, yep, that's what that is. Some housewife shit. <laughs> so then downstairs, at what point, what's going on then? Well, eventually, uh, Daniel does like see Allison all fucked up, and he has to kill her. Oh, that's right, as he's wandering through. and But the entire time, it's making her look normal, just like on an operating bed. Yeah, exactly, but in the, the warp reality... She is she's a monster. Yeah. A creature. A mother. And as he gets done doing that, that's when he turns and the doctor is talking to him from the other side of the room and he's now all completely flayed. Yeah, exactly. And slightly mutated because some of that shit didn't look like what's underneath. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. He gets stabbed in the back by Maggie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it sounds like because his father died and his son died he needs to die too to complete this triad and it's bringing forth his daughter from the beyond through maggie <laughs> it's like uh when she does give birth that's when i'm like oh that's that thing is fucked up <laughs> it's i liked it oh yeah once again super fucking good creature yeah super fucking gnarly looking this one's a lot more mobile this one's a lot quicker crush one of the cultist's head it's like right out the womb <laughs> Does it crush like multiple heads as it's just walking around? Yeah, does it I would get think another so. one a little bit later on too? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that ends up being for uh, Vincent and Simon to deal with, right? Yeah, yeah, they pretty much take care of that. And that was one of the things, like, because it ends up fucking up Vincent. Yeah, pretty good. They fuck with it pretty good a couple times, but it's just not going down. Like, it's a beast. It's it's a beast. That's all you can say about that. A baby beast. What, it's like a bear yeah, is the closest looks thing like I a... could compare it to. Um, like, it's hard to compare it to anything because of what it looks like. But if I had to compare it to something. I, I don't know if you've seen Annihilation, but there's a creature in that film that it kind of looks like a little bit. Okay. And I think you already said it, so I don't want to say anything more <laughs> for people who haven't seen it. But it looks a little bit like that. That's the only thing I can think of. But Vincent, he knows he's done. He's a quick thinker. Douses himself in fucking alcohol. Gotta do it, kid. You get one of the weirdest, weirdest iconography shots when Simon lights the match and you can see behind him uh, the Virgin Mary holding baby Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, symbolism. Yeah, (laughs) shit, right. But he lights it up. There's no way that they used alcohol for that shot because that yellow means that whatever they set that fire with probably had some sodium in it. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's that's interesting. Alcohol does not yeah. burn that color. No, no, that's another thing I, th- I think it's interesting, too, is you're right. I mean, different uh, chemicals burn at different colors. Yeah. Sorry, just... It's, it's true. One of my, uh, I have an ex that I know doesn't listen to this, but if she did, she'd be so proud of me for bringing it up because of her like, love uh, of chemistry, so... Yeah, like spectrometry, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it's pretty neat. But all this, like, Daniel's facing off with Powell. Right. Yeah, and he gets the he gets the axe in, but it doesn't fucking matter. No, that that doesn't mean shit. 
with the, some cool fucking effects going on. With like I, I like like Powell turning into that ink and yeah, I was like that was void. really cool. He's becoming like one with it. Fuck, that looked so fucking neat. But but then he's like, I know how to end this. Then also, if you're paying attention to what Powell says, then the very next scene where they go to the the fucking the void is just the afterlife. Yeah, exactly. That's where everybody goes. Is what you see in the last shot. If what Powell was saying was true, and it's true within the realm of the movie, you know what I mean? Right, 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 right. Within the frame, you're right. Because he's like, "All right, fuck it, let's do this," and he picks him up and fucking spears <laughs> him into the fucking. He was void. ready, <laughs> <laughs> but takes him into death, and that's that. Like that ends it. The door's not open anymore because the guy keeping the door open right. is now in. Exactly, it shuts that that off completely. So Simon has to get the fuck out. But that's not the entertaining part, because whatever, he gets out, he finds knives, chow, they get out. Right. The creature's still after him, but it doesn't matter, because... Yeah, I get squished. Get squished in a dimensional hallway that doesn't actually exist in that building. <laughs> yeah. which He gets squished by Danny the street leaving. <laughs> but the interesting part is then we get to see Carter in the void. Mm-hmm. And he's with Allison, which, okay, sweet cool. touching. Yeah. But it's basically the beyond, right? That's ex- <laughs> that's all I could think of. The only difference was is they're using the triangle again in the form of like a pyramid. So what that makes me think too is you could look at it as like a, a thing through different time periods and what it means to different cultures and what have you. Mm-hmm. You know, the symbology behind it. So it's like, but yeah, beyond just the symbology behind it, the but, implication, yeah, just, if you know the genre of cosmic horror then the implication is the reason those symbols exist is because that pyramid isn't just a pyramid. It's a multidimensional being. Right, right. That's mere existence is causing that influence upon mankind. It's, uh... Which is why the, the cult in the entire movie exists. It's... it's like neat. Cthulhu. It's <laughs> <laughs> bringing on the stuff, man. Yeah, it's, I like it. I like it a lot. But you're right. I think it uh, it really reminded me of The Beyond a lot, mm-hmm. that last shot, without a doubt. But in a good way. No, no, I liked right. it. it. I, I appreciated it. It didn't the feel like a ripoff. It no. just, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, if you're going to use an influence, that that was it. But that's what this film does well, too, is you can see its influences, but the way that they did it, you know, as a tra- mm-hmm. trying to be something, what it wasn't, you know. It wasn't, they weren't trying to be the thing. They just happened to use the influence and make these creatures look really good. <laughs> You know, shit like that. I hit on it. I just wanted to point out, if you're not familiar with cosmic horror, it's not just a big floating pyramid where that they're no, going to no, just no. Like go explore. It's a being. Yeah. It that is. is so powerful that it's I mean, mere existence. They, he explained, Powell that is, is like, you know, this is older than God. It defies, you know, time and space and all that shit. So, you know, there's like, we can't fathom it. It's just, you can't. Um, but that's the fun part about it. And then it, it cuts to some the nice credits. Yeah. So I did like the score. Like the score, I mean, it, nothing like blowed my mind, but it, it fit in. It did its job. Like we already mentioned, the special effects were awesome. Some of the acting was eh, but overall, I think everybody did a, a good job. You could tell it was a Canadian production. If you've mm-hmm. seen one, <laughs> you've seen a few. But uh, yeah, it's a fun film, man. And like, so getting to revisit it, but not in the way that it looks like Canadian TV. I no, do want to no, point no, out no. again there's, that there's the effects a in this movie are... It's top-notch, dude, for practical effects, for the limited budget they had to work with and the time frame they had to work within. Did a fantastic job, so hats off to them. 
And like I said, just being a, a small project too, like limited budget, really fun entry into this subgenre. I mean, I can see why people really do like this film. I mean, it has its flaws, but it's still a solid film overall. I would definitely like to put it up for consideration as a uh, first round test your fright as yeah. we try to figure out how to do a second year of that to be done sometime I think that's a good entry. this year. Because I think these creatures will fuck with people. I think so too. If, if you're and not I comfortable think, with creatures... <laughs> and I think these creatures getting hacked apart will fuck with people more. Yeah, and how gory it gets. Real good gore. And like pussy gore yeah. and just weird fluids. But like like you were saying, some of the Cronenberg you know, body horror stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's probably not going to be too long before I watch this movie again, to be honest. It's fun. I dig it. It's a fun film. I dig it. And like, it's more fun upon rewatch when you get to see the way it's all interwoven, <laughs> especially because like knowing the Maggie twist uh, yeah. like, makes the, the movie fun to rewatch and it, being like, no, you guys are making a really bad decision right now and you don't even know it. You should slice her open right now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it doesn't get down like that. But that, I mean, you're right. That's what lends its fun to it is, you know, this really innocent looking gal. No. <laughs> yeah, that's the fun of it. So next week, we're doing episode 150. Hell yeah. Which is kind of a big deal. No big deal, but a big deal. And it's like the middle of winter here, and that kind of sucks. And it's not even like a good winter, so that sucks more. Like It's been a I, mild winter. Yeah, it's been us. a mild winter, which I guess I don't mind it not being balls-ass cold, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah, you there's it's I mean? a little off. It's off. So we're just going to treat it like midsummer. Yeah, we are. Last year... We uh, went to Midsummer with a big group of our friends, so we decided to invite them all back into the studio to talk about that experience and what they think about the movie. So there should be a shit ton of us. Hopefully the audio quality won't lack too much. But No, I think it's going to be a fun overall experience. We'll have one new entry. Yeah, but so everyone else be you've heard before, we'll wait till next show to introduce all of them, but... But yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm looking, really looking forward to Especially it. Especially once we see who all actually is able to make it. Because it's always so hard to get that many people together at one time. That's true. But in order to listen to that, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us now. That would be awesome. Also, if you could rate and review us, that would be super cool. As always, you can go check out all of our back catalog at our website. That's www.friedsquirms.com. When you go to that, you will notice that we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network. You can check out the other shows over on the network. I talk about nerdy shit over on General Nerdery. You can hear my co-host from that show talk about Sun Tzu and Warhammer and Belagarth and Wargaming, basically, on yeah. The Art of Wargaming. So that's super cool. There are more shows coming out before too long. And you can always contact us through the website or by emailing us, squirmcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. What am I missing? I feel like I'm missing something. Please follow us on the social medias. Just search for Fried Squirms. You'll find it. Like, nobody else has that name. So. <laughs> no doubt, but you're right. We like uh, suggestions, recommendations, and once again, we like to put eyeballs on films for people who uh, need them, so let us know. Woo, we're going to get trippy next week, though. Oh, man, all about it. But this week, I've been Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. out.